On this episode, I interview Matt Watson. He's been an entrepreneur since he can remember, selling his first business at 29 for over $140 million. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. So I've got the pleasure of speaking to Matt Watson. He is the founder and CEO of Stackify. Hello, Matt. Welcome to our interview. Hey, how's it going? Very good, thank you. Very good. Um, now, you're based in Kansas. And, yeah. Um, and reading your, uh, your history, you, uh, you're a bit of an entrepreneur as a child, uh, working in markets with your parents. Do you want to give me a little bit about your background, particularly that I'm interested in? Yeah, so I, um, I was actually born in Oklahoma City, in Oklahoma, but I've lived in Kansas City since I was about five years old. Mm. And yeah, my, my parents sold stuff at flea markets in uh, Oklahoma and in Kansas City both. And for many, many years, I spent every weekend working at flea markets selling stuff and you know, my, my parents were entrepreneurs. I never really thought of them as, as entrepreneurs. But yeah, they, they were their own type of entrepreneur. Do you think that prepared you for the hustle of uh, starting your own business? Yeah, I think so to some degree. And my uh, my grandpa had a, a, a store at one time. And my dad sold all sorts of stuff at flea markets. And, and some of it, like we would go to garage sales and buy, you know, old McDonald's toys for next to nothing and then sell them at the flea market for you know, three for a dollar or something like that and make a little bit of money. And yeah, he, he would just always buy weird stuff and turn around mm. and sell to somebody else. So yeah. I think it's nice to get children involved at age. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the preamble, I've got some kids, they're only uh, eight and nine. And uh, it's nice to try and get them involved in, in money and trying to get them to understand it. Because it's, it's, I think it's a big problem for a lot of people when they get older and they uh, start living on their own and doing their own thing and then suddenly get into debt. So it's uh, certainly worth learning when you're young. I was definitely an expert at uh, taking money and giving change at a very young age. <laughs> that's for sure, yeah. I think my only experience in that is um, during the holidays, we went to a sports center and they sold penny sweets. And so I'd take my pound, buy the penny sweets, take them home and sell them to my parents for, for two pence each, uh, making a good profit. Yeah. So your first, one of your first companies was called Vin Solutions, which is a car showroom contact relationship manager. Is that right? Yeah. So it, it started out as a way of taking photos of cars and, and pricing and, and information about cars and basically syndicating it onto the internet. Mm -hmm. So if you're if you're a car dealer and you got to upload 10 photos of a car and set the pricing and stuff, you don't want to log into a whole bunch of places and do that over no. and over. So it, it started as a simple way to do that, and then it grew into a way to handle internet leads and kind of keep track of all the CRM, you know, contact management stuff, much like Salesforce or HubSpot or any okay, of that stuff, yeah. but but really designed specifically to car dealerships. So, and how did you get into that? Where where did that idea come from? Uh, you know, I, it originally started when I was in college, actually, I was selling computers at a department store hmm. and a car dealer came in to buy a computer and I ended up doing some work for that car dealership, basically just rewriting a little database for them. And then like two years later, uh, somebody else was looking for a, a tech person to help write some code and create some software for, for something he was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And that's all, ultimately how we started the business. All right, great. And uh, at 22, you sold it for $147 million. That's not bad. Yeah, well, we, I, we started it when I was 22. When, when we sold it, I was 29. Oh, right, sorry. Uh, okay. yeah, a few years later, yeah. But yeah, I, was, I think it was 29, yeah. That's still a pretty good ramp up. Um, I was quite interested to, to understand what, what it feels like to sell a business. What's that process like? Is it exciting? Is it daunting? 
you know, people always ask this question. They ask it in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Like some people ask me, like, "Oh, what's it? What's it like to sell your baby?" That's they sell. You know, I hear that a lot. And and when they ask that question, I always tell them, "It's like, you know, eight years later, it wasn't a baby, right? Like I felt like my daughter like grew up and went to college, <laughs> and like she got knocked up, and I'm hoping she's gonna get married, and like I'm just sick of all of it. And, like I'm ready to, you know, <laughs> it it's it's not a baby anymore, you yeah. know, and. At some point in time, you're ready to do something else too. Mm-hmm. Like after eight years, I was ready to do something else. Um, but it's the I think the building of it, the the whole kind of the ride was more fun than mm. the final conclusion of it, right? Like uh, the 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 last two or three years, we were growing at a really crazy pace and had an amazing product and were hiring people at an unbelievable pace and. It, that was a lot of fun. Um, but then when you sell it and you walk away, you're kind of like, I don't know what I do now. It's yeah. like, that was fun. Like, it's not really necessarily so fun to be like, and, and you leave, like you have this like work family that you have done all this with <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this team. And all of a sudden you walk away from all of it and it's like, you don't know yourself anymore. It's kind of different. Yeah. It's uh it must be fascinating actually. I mean, having that ride and then suddenly it just, kind of stops at the end of it and you, you, you're sort of looking around what do, deciding what to do. Um, I'm, yeah. inter- I'm interested, did you decide uh, or design the company to sell it at the outset? Is that was one of the ideas? Or is that something that came later on? Uh, from the very beginning, absolutely not. No, I, I was just a guy trying to solve a problem and mm. make make a few dollars uh, business out of it. But, you know, in, in the end, we knew that over the last year or two of that, that we had a pretty good idea we were going to we wanted to potentially sell it and um really when we sold it we weren't necessarily trying to sell it we were just trying to raise capital um right. the business had never had any capital uh invested in it at all really and we were growing so fast that we just didn't have any of the resources that we needed and um at that time when we sold it the company was doing like 30 something million a year in revenue, mm-hmm. but we still didn't have any money. I mean, it was just money <laughs> in money out as fast yeah. as we could get it. And, um, we, you know, uh, and when you're start operating at that kind of scale, and this was really before Amazon web services and stuff like that, we you know we needed more servers and it, it wasn't unheard of that really we needed to spend like half million dollars to go buy servers and infrastructure and, mm-hmm. you know, upgrade our data center and all that sort of stuff, uh, which were just huge capital expenses we couldn't afford you know thank, thankfully like today if you could use amazon web services or azure or something like that that makes a huge difference being able to do it that way but yeah we just yeah. never had the money to do things the right way yeah and so these mod- the modern services as you mentioned amazon web services and so on they they allow you to uh, buy in at a lower rate and what you can afford and then scale up as you um as your business demands it really yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like my new company, Stackify, we're actually one of Microsoft's larger customers, Are you? Uh, yeah. especially we're in the Midwest here. And yeah, we've just slowly grow, and um, every one of our customers sends us a huge amount of data every day. So we have a lot of servers, we handle a lot of data. I couldn't imagine having to worry about going buying servers and racking them and all that kind of junk anymore forget that i know i i used to run an it company with a friend from school that's one of my first businesses and it, it grew quite well i mean i, I the business certainly uh, i've come out of it now but he's carrying on running it but i remember um one of the main income streams at the time was um buying and installing servers for for companies 
And yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't really think about that now. You've got Office, Office 365. You can make do with Dropbox or, or iCloud or various other services to synchronize files. Actually having a server in your office uh, generating loads of heat and lots of noise and expense and backups and so on is not something you think about. But that was par for the course at the time. Yeah, the only reason you do that now is to mine Bitcoin. Yeah, that's right. And even then that's getting more <laughs> difficult with the amount of uh, um, graphics cards you need. Yeah. Um, so tell me about Sakify. Um, just give me a little bit of just give me an idea about the software and how it helps developers. Yeah, we. I basically started it just kind of based off of my experiences of my my previous company we we're talking about, and um, we just didn't really have the tools we needed to know if our software works, how to troubleshoot problems, mm. how to find performance problems, and really just wanted to, to build a set of tools that would do that. And if I can provide you an example, think about like uh, tonight for dinner, if you want to buy pizza and, and you pull up a, a website to order pizza on, you know, Pizza Hut or Domino's or whatever it is. If at any moment that app does not work or it's slow or it gets an error, you just go right to their competition and you yeah. buy it from someone else. Right. Yeah. And the, the companies, if their websites are having a problem, they need to know immediately. And they use tools like ours to know when that happens and what the cause is. Yeah, because it's something that uh, I was having a look at the video earlier today, and it's a service that will allow you to monitor it at various different stages. Is that right? From development all the way through to deployment, so you can see what's what's slowing it down, what's getting in the way, what's causing errors. Yeah, we do a wide wide range of uh, different kinds of monitoring and, Mm. and measuring of performance and stuff like that. I've always known that's quite an expensive service. I mean, we uh, we develop and host websites. We um, probably don't need a service of that level. But when I have looked at things like that, uh, maybe for other customers or maybe ourselves, they've always been quite expensive. Is uh, Does yours sit up at that level? And so you're absolutely right. Most of most of the, the companies that do this sell to the large enterprises, mm. and they the products can be you know hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and stuff like that. So our our goal has been to make it affordable. So like our average customer spends about you know two hundred you know dollars US. Um, so it's designed to be very affordable. Mm. So. You mentioned earlier about some of the uh, technical issues you had in um, Vin Solutions, and I believe that Stackify was born out of those internal sore points, if you will, and some of the challenges you faced. Is that is that a good way to start um, a project or a business, to scratch your own itch? Um, and if it is, how, how do you convert that into something that's commercial when you actually start making money? Yeah, I absolutely believe that. I mean, the you know, having the domain knowledge, the expertise, the understanding of mm. some sort of industry problem, I think is critical to to any any kind of software. Like, I don't know anything about legal stuff. For for me to go say, I'm going to go start a software company to help lawyers mm. and how they do business, like, this sounds like a really terrible, stupid idea, right? But if I had worked at a law firm for the last 10 years, probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it's something where you're you're the customer and then turn, turned into the, um, the, the business owner, really, the person attracting now, those customers. So you have a very good idea, I'd imagine, of who the customer is and what, what they're looking for. Yeah, and, and so that said, I actually have never worked in a car dealership. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I, I worked around them for a very, very long time. And ironically, I don't know about in the UK, but in the US anyways, the average person that works in a car dealership doesn't work there for more than a year. Oh, really? So 
nobody knows actually anything about the car business because nobody stays there long enough to really figure it out. I've often uh, I've often felt that uh, when you do walk into a car dealership, they, they've got one aim, which is to sell you the car. But actually, if you want to know anything about it and you really want to talk to someone who who might know about it, because to be let's be honest, uh, most people have done their research before they go in. Yes. yes. Anyway. Um, you really don't feel like you're going to have a good conversation because you no. you often feel like you know more than the car dealer in the first place. Well, especially if you're working at a car dealership and you sell, you know, 20 different models of cars and you've spent the last like several weeks researching one of yeah. them. <laughs> you know all about it, every option, every color and yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you're you're super you're super excited. You want you want someone to be excited yeah. about you while you're spending all this money and they they don't they don't care. Um, but yeah. I, I think it does help. I mean, it's something you hear about a lot. We use um, the software Basecamp, which used to be from 37 Signals, but now they're called Basecamp. And they're very much of that um, scratch your own itch. If you yeah. come up against a problem, then it's likely that someone else is going to want to solve that problem. And you've got a really good understanding of it. Yeah. And so I actually just started a whole new company because of the same problem called Fullscale. Mm -hmm. And um, the issue we're having there is just being able to find software developers um, especially around here in Kansas City, and, and this is really a, a problem all over the place. But they're just—they're very hard to find. They're expensive. They're super high competitive market to hire them and all that stuff. So we set up a company and created an office in the Philippines um, to do development there. So I actually have about 20 employees just for Stackify that work there now. So uh, okay, so that's something I wanted to move on to. Um... So this is talent and skills resource. Now, are they your resource, or do you go out looking for other people and pull them in? Well, so we so we have a company there, and, and we have other clients besides mm. Stackify. Now, we 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 help other people, but it's more like a um, the model is really more staff org contractor. Mm -hmm. So we you know we don't really do project work. We we just service companies like Stackify that are like, hey, you need more developers. You're not trying to eliminate the developers you have. You just need more of them, and um, we're able to you know, find those people, recruit them in the Philippines, find really smart uh, people and provide them at a lower cost. I mean, we usually bill people out at like 20 to $30 an hour right, US, right. Yeah. Um, which is much more affordable too, um, and, and help companies scale. So. so it's really a recruitment agency where you actually have good domain knowledge because you've been through that yourself. Yeah, I mean, we're... We're definitely really good at recruiting and identifying talent and hiring software developers for sure. And, and those developers just work on our office. We have a very nice office there. And um, they work on our office but work for you know, on our clients uh, on, on their work. You've started a few businesses, and I've got a question that really encompasses and covers all of them. How do you overcome a lot of the hurdles with growing a business, such as employment, cash flow? I mean, it looks like you've you've almost taken some of the challenges and decided there's a market there and gone off and started a new business. But obviously, when you're starting off, you're going to hit each of these. How do you how do you make your way through it? Well, it's it's always a struggle when you're trying to start a business and your your problem is, for example, like you need more software developers or you need to hire more salespeople mm. or you need to solve a problem you just don't understand, right? And um, some of that, I think, is making sure you you have the right co-founder, the right partners in the business. You know, I'm I'm more of a technical person. I'm a I'm truly a product person at heart. Mm. Um, but like my business partner is a salesperson. He's a really good salesperson, and so having that dynamic is really good to help get by. You know, whatever challenges we have are. You know, if you're a software developer, the last person you want for a business partner is another software developer. Yeah. <laughs> 
So you think that helps having someone to bounce ideas off as well so that you're complementing each other but also yeah. able to talk through the problems? You need complementary skills mm. to help drive the business forward. And that's the problem so many ha- people have as a founder. They, they're they not a developer and that's fine. And so they're they're looking for a technical co-founder. And that's how I started my first business. I was just the technical co-founder. Somebody was looking to do something and I just he just happened to find me. Um, and... If you're in that boat, you just have to find the technical co-founder that can help you. Mm. Okay. Well, it's just that I'm particularly interested in it at the moment because we're we're growing our business. Uh, Currently, we're in the marketing and web development side of things, but we're growing into more of an agency. So we have people on staff that we can bring in for ourselves and and for for clients. But it's looking at ways that we can diversify that out. And it's um, at the moment, it's just um, I'm the sole uh, director an owner and then we have employees and contractors and it's yeah. hard it's hard work and and to be fair when i'm doing these interviews i'll often uh, glean little bits of information as well which is really useful but um i must admit in my first company when we were working together as equal partners there was something about that that helped us um complement each other in exactly that same way you know we had different skill sets so i can advocate for that yeah yeah and if you're having problems finding people you should ask full scale we full can help scale. you find people <laughs> well i will i will put the link yeah. in the show notes um <laughs> i've got an, an odd question here but sometimes i feel like this and i want to know if anyone else does do you ever get to the stage where you just want to stop and and quit it all and if you do what what keeps you going past that you know so i've been an entrepreneur now for like 15 years and i think absolutely i think every week or two there's no doubt there's that that moment in time you ask yourself like what in the hell am i doing why am i doing this i think that's completely normal i mean um i think that's a good thing to ask yourself because one of the problems we have as entrepreneurs is i think we're usually eternal optimist Mm -hmm. and you know i think it's good every once in a while to sit back and say am i doing the right thing am i should i be betting the farm on this right um Am I sacrificing too much for this? I mean, I think those are all the right questions that people should ask. And I mean, I think the reason I keep going more than any is I, I'm passionate about what I'm doing. I'm passionate about the problems I'm trying to solve. And I don't want to fail. I mean, failure is not an option. So how do we keep moving forward? How do we figure out whatever the hurdle is, whatever the problem is? What do we got to do? Let's figure it out. Let's yeah. keep going. It's interesting you say that. I was just, uh, my last interview was with a lovely uh, woman called Gina Gagan. She's in the early years of a business um, producing a drinks product. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the drink kombucha? Yes, yeah. Fermented tea. So she she heard about it in the States, actually, over probably, I think it was near you, your way. And um, coming back from the States, she, she's wanted to quit it all and, and start doing that. That's She wanted to grow a business where... Um, she could produce kombucha because she really felt it could help people. And um, one of the questions we spoke about is, uh, you know, because it's a very difficult business, the drinks business. It needs a lot of uh, capital to be able to get the right supplies in. And um, one of the things that keeps her going through that is passion. And uh, because she she's really passionate about doing it, she's really passionate about seeing the effect that her drink has on people who are unwell. And so it's it's really important that it's not just about money. It's about um, something deeper than that, because otherwise you will right. get to the end and you're like, nah, I'm not, I'm not interested. I'll go and work for someone else. It's yeah, it should never be about the money. If no. you, if you're an entrepreneur for the money, you're in it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's been your biggest challenge so far? Thinking that doing it the second time would be easy. <laughs> That's a good answer. Um, and yeah. what, what, why, why, uh, what was more difficult? Were there just different challenges at the time? 
you know, it would have been easier probably if I stayed in the same industry mm-hmm. and trying to work on a problem that's incredibly complicated and hard and figuring out how to market and sell to, to the audience uh, is hard. And our our audience, which is other software developers, is really brutal to sell yeah. to. They, they don't want to buy anything. They want everything for free and open source. And they'll... You know, and I was I was that guy, right? Like several years ago, it's like I'm not buying Photoshop. I'm gonna go find a free license code on some weird website, and like I get it, you know. Um, but those are our customers, and so they're they're hard to sell to, and that's that's been tough to figure out. So, just moving on to marketing because that's that's our key area, and I'm quite interested in how you've pushed forward your businesses. What what methods have worked best for you recently? Yeah, the the one that wor- really works the best for me um, with Stackify has been content marketing. So mm-hmm. we we publish a lot of blog posts and different kinds of content that um, rank really well on Google. And I have a long history in in SEO and stuff like that. And yeah, our website gets over thirty thousand visitors a day mm-hmm. um, just from Google search results, and that drives a lot of our business. That's that's our main main source of of our business. And how do you target those? Are you you obsessively looking to target keywords, or are you just targeting the needs people have? How how do you come up with that that content? Yeah, it's a lot of it is um, just certain phrases and keywords that relate to our product features, um, things we do like application monitoring, application performance monitoring, mm. logging for different programming languages, just all sorts of different topics uh, that have to do with application diagnostics, troubleshooting, performance, things like that. When I speak to customers, one of the biggest issues they have or challenges is to come up with ideas for that content. I think producing the content, whether it's writing, video, audio, is reasonably straightforward once you know what you want to do and you've got a loose idea of how you're going to get there. I think a lot of them struggle with coming up with those initial ideas. Do you have any tips on that, any advice? Well, I think it depends a lot on the type of business. So mm-hmm. um, for Stackify, ours is is fairly technical. Um, but for example, uh, another business I own is, is called Gigabook, and, and it does online appointment scheduling. So we publish new blog posts every day for it too, but the articles for it are really, really simple. They're, yeah. they're like, you know, clown appointment scheduling, dog walking appointment scheduling, <laughs> yeah. like, babysitter appointment scheduling like so it's really just figuring out like the whole combination of all the possible things and it's actually a really simple kind of formula mm. and that kind of formula works well for anything that's like location based like if you provide services in different cities or states or topics of appointment scheduling but that's kind of completely different than like what stackify is stackify's content marketing is much more complicated and mm-hmm. difficult i always look at it like when people are searching something on Google, they're they're really asking a question. Yeah. And I feel like whoever answers the question the best is going to rank first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we work really hard to try and provide really high quality content that really answers that question a lot better. And I and I and I compare that to Gigabook because Gigabooks is more like I'm looking for a dog walking appointment scheduling software. So it's like somebody that is you know, lower down the funnel that's looking specifically for a product. And, you know, it's, it's kind of an obscure phrase, right? It's very long tail. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's the mixture of, of all of these things. And we also do a lot of work on link building and, um, all that stuff that goes into, 
SEO and mm-hmm. having a site that ranks really well for a lot of things. Our, our website ranks over 100,000 keywords. Wow, that's very good. It's a lot of effort you put in there. Um, do, yeah. you, do you make use of video uh, as part of that mix? We do a little bit, but not a lot, very mm-hmm. little. Okay. Why is that, if I can ask? Most of our content is highly technical and requires code samples or I think a lot of our audience is looking to kind of skim through stuff and quickly yeah. learn things. Yeah. Um, I'd agree with that, actually. Coming at it from my side, when I, I, I see video content, I almost sigh because I, I feel then I have to watch it and spend time watching it to identify whether it's useful or not. Uh, but if it's text, you can skim through yeah. and find out if it's going to be useful very, very quickly. So I, I do agree with that, actually. Yeah, for our audience, I feel like that's the case. Mm. Um, but there are definitely some things that I think video is great too. Like I have a video about .NET performance counters for Windows, and it, it gets a fair amount of traffic, I think, on YouTube. But then it's more of a tutorial. Then you watch and show you how to do things, whatever. And but yeah. Um. So what's the future? What What are you looking to do next? I'll just continue to grow. I mean, Stackify is six years old, and just. Um, continue to grow the company. Actually, being able to hire resources in the Philippines was actually a huge deal for us of mm-hmm. letting us um, like triple our software development team so we could really go build more features and different things so we could really grow the business. So that, that's huge for us. And we're really excited about you know all the new capabilities and, and product enhancements that we're, that we're working on now. So it's Excellent. a fun time. Nice work. Uh, before yeah. um, before I let you go, can I uh, can I get two bits of marketing uh, advice or tips that you think would be useful to our listeners? Definitely content marketing. I'm a huge fan of it, but it's a long game. Mm. It's it's not something that you start today and see immediate results on. It 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 takes many months, probably maybe years, to to fully see the value of. But it's it's a long game. Like Stackify, we don't spend any money on advertising, but we get hundreds of trials of our software every month from our mm. content so it works it just takes time yeah worth the effort to build it up yep brilliant thank you very much um so people can find you online uh, i've got you on twitter at matt watson 81 that's right yep and um i will put all the links to your um companies in here but i'll list one now which is stackify.com i you know go and check that out scott it's, it's quite interesting i mean it's for the more technical side of people and anyone who's running a bit of software this could be quite useful to identify where the bottlenecks are and to speed things up but are there any other websites that i should share that are important um you know fullscale.io was the other business we talked about mm-hmm. and you you know people feel free to reach out to me on linkedin or um just send me a message have any questions anything like that Brilliant. Thanks very much, Matt. Really good to talk to you and find out about uh, some of the challenges in your businesses. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've not already subscribed to our podcast, you can visit ratherinventive.com slash podcast and listen to it there. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or whatever podcast player you use. You can get in touch with me on Twitter, I'm at Ben Kinnaird, or the company on at ratherinventive. Bye.